0: good evening and welcome back to the under the scope podcast where we discuss music i'm your host will roast and calling in as always my good friend patrick anderson how are you doing today uh just another monday oh mondays am i right the case of a man the only cure is to do the pod that's right absolutely it's like <laughs> we're working overtime in a way on a monday you know, get off work, yeah. and then uh, we chat for an hour or so about music. Our lives are pretty tough, you know, so... Do you think I could I could actually charge overtime for that? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Go for it. Let's see what happens. Get, <laughs> report back to me <laughs> on the next episode. Back. See how that went. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited for today's episode because uh, this is our quarterly report for quarter two of... 2021, and I thought this quarter was stacked. I thought this was a great quarter. I don't know uh, how you felt. Yeah, uh,
1: I thought it, I mean, I think the back half of
0: quarter two especially mm-hmm. has been, like, crazy. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's been insane. I actually wrote down, I've never done this, I don't think, but I actually have a list of artists who released albums that i've really enjoyed this quarter that aren't going to be a part of my recommendations this episode so i I guess it's like an honorable mention but um you know godspeed dry cleaning i Mm -hmm. thought was great saint vincent who we already talked about uh makami who i always love black midi japanese breakfast backwash uh and um Tyler the Creator just put an album out, and I won't be spoiling my thoughts on that here because that'll be our next episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, but there were just so many albums I feel like I could have talked about today, and uh, mm-hmm. ultimately I came up with three, and I feel great about these three. So. Yeah, same here. I'm. I'm.
1: Yeah, I was. I was surprised by how much quality was actually out there. Like, just kind of yeah just kind of just sitting out there this this quarter because the first quarter was like pretty good yeah um but it was a little slow and the beginning of this quarter honestly was a little slow too like Mm -hmm. um and then it started picking up and i'm like oh okay this is like the sweet spot of the year and it always seems to happen that way like I, i that's my favorite time whenever it starts picking up and you're like okay now these are some of the distinct albums of this year
0: Right, exactly. Now I feel pretty confident that, uh, you know, I'm going to fill out a good top 50 list at the end of the year. You know, I, I don't have yeah. any concerns about that. Um, whereas quarter one, some great albums, but I felt like it was pretty slim up at the top. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of depth in this quarter. Um, so yeah, each of us, uh, if you don't know the format, each of us is going to recommend three albums. Uh, we're going to deep dive into why they were some of our favorite uh albums of this quarter the past three months Mm -hmm. uh as i mentioned when i briefly mentioned saint vincent uh we talked about saint vincent on our last episode and so i would recommend that album but that's not what this podcast is for this is for albums we have not yet talked about and uh you and i do not know what each other are picking we may end up picking the same albums you know that that's just the risk we like to run on this uh program uh you know so. yeah although i would be shocked by a couple of these yeah, you... exactly right right yeah we're normally although pretty good these, about that one of
1: these I, I know that i have recommended to you so oh. maybe you liked it that much
0: but one of these i know you love um but i think uh yeah i felt safe recommending it of the two of us so i don't know we'll we'll get into it um well, my my strategy, I'll give away my strategy
1: for this, Oh, okay. was to have a couple of backups just in case you picked oh. one of the ones that I had. Very smart. That way, yeah, that way I could be like,
0: yeah, I loved it too, but I'm going to talk about this one instead. I see. Well, good, because I did not do any backups. <laughs> 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 I literally only have like two, so if we pick all of them, then then we're
1: screwed. So. Okay.
0: well, it's just a short podcast, is what it is, which is a uh, which is fine. Yeah, um, that's not bad. Okay, we usually uh, usually is a strong word. We always alternate on these. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, would you like to start, or would you like me to start? I'll go first. Okay. So, as I
1: alluded to earlier, this one I recommended to uh to you um pretty much as soon as i heard it um this one like oh yeah i gotta give an award for this one so this one we give awards yes this one is the uh coming out of the pandemic award Mm. that's a that's a good one i guess this i don't really have one i've written down for this so i'm just coming up with this on the spot i love it Um, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, this is a record from uh, Panopticon, mm. one man band out of Kentucky. The album's called dot dot dot, and again into the light. Uh, pretty cool album title. I, I, I like the cinematic feel of that. Um, yeah, I, I recommended this to you. I remember like pretty much as soon as I heard it because right away this album is like so striking and beautiful. Um, and very cinematic. Um, so on its surface, just aesthetically speaking, it like comes through with some of the most gorgeous blends of black metal and traditional folk and like Kentucky bluegrass in some parts. Hmm. Um, very interesting blend. Panopticon um, is also a, a one-man band solo act metal group i guess i don't know how else to call it yeah. one dude out of kentucky um and you know he's been doing this for quite a while and um has blended this this mix of like kentucky folk and black metal for a while so um, and i've heard a couple of his projects before and like thought that they were really cool but this one is just like really made it click for me and i'm really glad that it did um, yeah, so, and the reason I gave it the coming out of the pandemic, uh, award is because a lot of the subject matter discussed and the, the liner notes, um, on the album are pretty much focused completely on, like, um, him recognizing his friends and his family, his wife and his, and his, uh, you know, new son that kind of pulls him through this darkness that came especially during the pandemic Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of like you know really hard subject matter deals a lot with suicidal ideation um, agoraphobia existential issues things like that But at the end of it, it is always this feeling of like there's always this energy and this feeling of power and this feeling of hope to get through to the end of it, and that's why the title is called "And Again into the Light." Mm.
0: Because
1: from the liner notes, he he describes this as um, people. This is is dedicated to people that refuse to give up and and um, hold on to that hope of returning to the light again and again and again. Um and on each of his albums he always puts a little signature that says don't let the fire burn out. Hmm. Which I think is like a really just kind thing to do, you know, for his listeners. Like he's he's always been so good about that stuff in the past, but, but this one just struck me more than his other works but also just more than other projects in the past or more than other projects in this year too it's just seeing this level of like kindness out of somebody and this raw um intensity and just uh, kind of laying his emotions barreling his neuroses over the past year and a half um that that the compounded like Things that have happened over the last year and a half, I guess, laying all that bare and and then just creating something that's dedicated to the struggle of getting through is something that I think was a really just great idea and um, very wholesome in a way for especially for a black metal record, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like optimistic, yeah, that,
0: that,
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. So I I love all that, and then uh, beyond that, the instrumentals on this album are crazy. They range all over the place. Like there's there's um, very stripped down, raw sounding acoustic bluegrass and folk elements to this. Um, The vocals sometimes go from very raspy campfire-style singing into just straight-up maniacal black metal um, gurgling and screeching. Um, the There's always this level of, like, tension in the air, even in, like, the calmer moments. Um, and it's really, really powerful and very, like, hair-raising at certain points. But there's also these fiddles, I guess, is, and... and the violins—I'm—I'm I'm saying they're fiddles because he tends to use a lot of bluegrass elements mm-hmm. in his sound. It kind of sounds that way. Um, that are that are used in this uh, album, and they're played just beautifully over um, over these like thrashing breakbeats and traditional just black metal uh, dark twisted guitar. It's just the most bizarre thing, but it just sounds so pretty. Um, kind of just reminds me of like a a really dark, scary thunderstorm that's coming, like, in the middle of a sunset. So Mm. the sky looks, like, gorgeous and beautiful, but it's, like, also very scary and eerie, you know? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the imagery that it pulls off. So, Mm.
0: yeah,
1: I think that instrumentally instrumentally sounding, this celebrates, like, every aspect of uh, traditional... Uh, country, folky bluegrass sounds as well as black metal um, in a way that is just awesome and unique and very inspiring Uh, um, and with the subject matter discussed on this too and the vocal performances I have no complaints with and I'm actually left feeling like really optimistic and energized by this too it was like (laughs) something for me where I'm like oh my god this is like kind of the project I've been waiting on uh after after all the all the shit that happened last year so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i'm I'm in love with this album i have very little complaints about it um yeah it's a nine out of ten
0: all right i uh i have not gotten around to this album even though you definitely recommended it to me because again it was Mm -hmm. just such a stacked quarter i just ended up listening to a bunch of more records than i thought i was going to um but uh, I I will add it to my queue uh, here after the podcast. So, and uh, this is pretty high on I want to say rate your musics list right now. Uh, yeah, as well. So um. Panopticon
1: is generally like really high in that rate your music crowd. Um, so yeah, it, they're very polarizing too. So it, I think that this album is amazing. But you know it's 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 bluegrass black metal so yeah i not gonna be everybody's
0: like (laughs) cup of tea the best of both worlds yeah yeah all right well that was uh yeah panopticon dot 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 and again into the light um Mm -hmm. so my first recommendation here is i I called it the meme album of the year or at least the meme album of the year Ah. so far um i i doubt i mean i would love to we already to see. talked
1: about jay cole
0: <laughs> there it is there it is <laughs> uh <laughs> uh yeah, you know what? That's a fair point. Okay, I'll put, I'll call it like the the unironically good meme album of the year. Um,
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <That's the summation. laughs> um, so yeah, this is uh, this is Ska Dream" by uh, Jeff Rosenstock. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Rosenstock is a a punk rock uh, power pop singer songwriter guitarist from Long Island. Uh, last year, he released an album called No Dream, uh, which is an album we actually did not discuss on this podcast, but it's an album that placed all the way at number eight on my 2020 year-end album of the year list. And uh, it's only grown on me since then. Uh, I could probably bump it up a couple spots if we were to redo that list. Um, uh, it's a brilliant power pop album. It's uh, There's nothing meme about that album. But this year... Uh, however, Jeff Rosenstock went full meme. Uh, he released a song for song ska remake of that album uh, entitled it Ska Dream the uh, the sound, the aesthetic, the song titles it's all ska and uh, you know while we're at it, these song titles are, just ridiculous. <laughs> the The song titles are also reworks of the previous album's song titles. Um, so the original song uh, from the original album called "Nikes," it's now called "Airwalks" in order to fit with the uh, ska theme. Uh, "Monday at the Beach" is now "Monday at Back to the Beach," a reference to the uh, nineteen eighty seven comedy "Back to the Beach." Uh, The song Ohio Turnpike is now Ohio Pork Pie, referencing the uh, iconic Pork Pie hat. Um, But, uh, you know, some of these song titles are pretty half-assed, which only makes me like them even more. Uh, For example, Leave It in the Sun is now Leave It in the ska like, that's just barely a pun. It's... <laughs> There's a a song called Scram. It's still called Scram, but it's spelled S-K-R-A-M. Oh, God. And the yes. S, the K, and the A are capitalized. So it's, like... <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, some of these names are a little forced, but I respect it, and I love it more so for that. Um, To keep the meme going, uh, Jeff Rosenstock, he released this album on April 20th, which, of course, is funny because, you know, albums don't come out on Tuesdays typically, but, you Mm -hmm. know, he went against (laughs) the grain there. Um, So, yeah, this album's pretty meme, uh, but it's legitimately, as I said, unironically great as well. I would argue that Sky Dream actually has no business being as good as it actually is um and that's not even just like general consensus is this album is actually really good uh in general i would say these ska renditions are instrumentally fuller and certainly more colorful than their original counterparts um the guitar riffs are usually replaced with horns which you already know i'm all about that Uh, anytime i hear a horn on a record i'm sold and that's especially true here um so a lot of it's stereotypical ska, I suppose, but it's not just that. Um, th- this album is actually a bit more dynamic than I expected, and I think most people would expect. There's plenty of ideas on this record. And it's, it's a great album to me, not just because of all of these additions and replacements it makes to the original album, but because it's building upon a solid foundation. Like The original album was so good because of its melodies, its catchiness, its songwriting, just all the fundamentals from that album carry over here and are often improved upon. Um, it's it's just such a fun record that's fun to like jam out to and sing along with. Um, Jeff Rosenstock, I think I may have said this on the podcast before, Um but I would argue he's, like, maybe the best rock star we have in music right now. In a, in a time where we don't really have rock stars anymore, I he's kind of my go-to, just super charismatic <laughs> rock, like, icon. Um, he fits the ska ethos as well, given this record's politics and anti-capitalist lyrics. Um, I wrote some of the lyrics down here. Um, this one kind of stood out to me. I've been told for most of my life, wait until the perfect time by people who have been defined by skipping spots in line. Um, the only end game for capitalism is dystopia. Pretty, pretty subtle line there. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> just straight up like a tweet. Like. Yeah, that's, that's, he, it might, he may have tweeted it. Um, yeah. Uh, they were separating families carelessly under the guise of protecting you and me. You know, and he didn't change any lyrics from one album to the next. Uh, And it's kind of interesting because sometimes I feel as if the political messaging is more appropriate on the No Dream original album as opposed to the Ska album. Uh, For example, there's one portion of a song here where Jeff is repeatedly singing you know, you will not control, you will not control, you know, very anti-authoritarian sentiment, classic Jeff Rosenstock. But the original version of that section, he's singing that with a ton of energy and passion and the instrumentals like matching that it has the same, just, you know, fuck the system energy behind it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds cathartic in that way. uh, But on this album, during that section they kind of opt for a, a a chill ska like almost reggae approach and i don't know it, it doesn't really fit to me uh like sonically versus what i'm hearing lyrically but you know yeah. then then again like i guess when i think of protest music in general i typically think of a group like rage against the machine as opposed to say like Bob Marley, even though right. both of them are definitely protest music, it's like they sound, right. I guess Rage kind of works more for me. Um, I would be, I actually kind of thinking about it, I would be curious in reading some sort of study on like which types of protest music are the most effective in terms of, yeah kind of, of like rallying an audience or like changing opinion or, you know, something. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, I, I would have to look into that, but I, I digress. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a good thought experiment to, to, to go into.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, for me, my gut would say, like, oh, Run the Jewels is probably really good, but maybe it's not. Maybe people don't gravitate to, yeah. like, the angry protest music yeah, as much. Yeah, because you, as...
1: you got the whole Vietnam War pro- pro- uh, protest era too, with a lot of very relaxed, folky stuff.
0: Exactly, yeah, right. Right, is it like uh, you know yeah. what you would associate with? Yeah, like seventies counterculture, right? Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's. I'm gonna look into that uh, later on. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess you might be thinking I've gone on, but I haven't actually said which of these albums I uh, I prefer. You know, I gotta prefer one. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, naturally, I went to Pitchfork so they could tell me what my yes. opinion is. <laughs> and they could make as, that decision as for me do. as we do we go to pitchfork and we're like that's how i feel too thank you pitchfork <laughs> um so pitchfork gave no dream an 8.0 out of 10 which is classic <laughs> the old <laughs> yeah. the old 8.0 uh we've shared our thoughts on that particular score many times on this pod yeah. it's a pretty good score but it's not quite best new music um so what do you think they gave Scott dream knowing that no dream got an 8.0 what do you think they gave Scott dream I'm gonna say like 8.1 close it, it's 8.0 they gave the same exact no. sc- <laughs> the, the exact same score to the decimal they didn't take a stand either way they were like both albums equally as good <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable it's seriously unbelievable and, and of course it's the uh,
1: the 8.0 score too which they throw oh, out for like damn near every like
0: solid album out there i'm sure i've said this but i think if you took all the albums that have gotten 8.0 versus all the albums that have gotten like 8.2 or higher i think i would rather like listen to the 8.0 albums those albums yeah. always end up being like my album of the year contenders for whatever reason yeah and yeah. I don't know why, but um <laughs> but yeah, they did the old oh Scott dream it's just as good as no dream 8.0 all right so so now you're left in a quandary That's, here. exactly so ultimately, I have to come up with my own opinion, right, which is always a bummer uh, but mm-hmm. i I didn't settle on this. I actually made a Spotify playlist. Uh, it's I called it Jeff Purdy it's out there you can <laughs> you can go find it oh my god that's great and, and what it is is it's it's No Dream and Ska Dream but it's organized like first song on No Dream, first song on Ska Dream and then second song, second song, third, third all the way to the end so you have like back to back and I did that and that was kind of my tiebreaker it was like well how many times do I prefer the Ska rendition as opposed to the original and um I've decided I actually prefer the ska meme reworking of the album even though the original was already like my top 10 of last year uh, I'm, wow. a, I'm officially nice. a rude boy uh, my checkered shirt is it's in the mail it's on its way to me right now <laughs> um, you know I kind of thought about it like perhaps my imp, uh, I, I might be influenced by recency bias or maybe I feel this way because it's been a long time since I've heard a great ska album or just a Scott album, you know, in general, honestly. Um, but I I think it's just kind of after the Jeopardy playlist, I was like, I think it's just this album rules. Um, Ohio Pork Pie is incredible. Leave it in the sky is also good. Uh, these are like phenomenal. They're kind of life affirming songs that just make me feel great and, uh, they kick ass. So, um there's plenty of songs like that on here uh in only a couple missteps so yeah shout out to jeff rosenstock the man uh i'm giving scott dream a nine out of ten wow nice yeah indeed yeah wow indeed (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have a scott album in my top ten of the year but yeah here i am oh my gosh all right so this is so this is the new thing now I guess, yeah. <laughs> I'm a ska. I'm a ska guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to commit to. It. I oh my gosh, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm getting it's an outfit. Pretty, it's pretty amazing that that's what he decided to do. It, and like nobody, nobody else really could have pulled it off.
0: It's really like, nice. and, and to be fair, his uh, way back in the day, his like one of his first bands, they were like a ska like punk band so like he's dabbled in this sound a little bit before but still it was literally he announced this album on april fool's day on twitter so no one bought it and then and then he surprised released it on 420 and so what a legend He literally he, he made that album for himself <laughs> he like really that. did <laughs> he like, yeah but it's so it's really so good it's way too That's well awesome. done but yeah uh yeah shout out to jeff that is awesome <laughs> I love that. Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, all right. This one is um, my next one is (laughs) pretty different from that. It's not a skull. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Safe bet. (laughs) I don't know when that would happen, but when that does happen for me, it's like, all right, (laughs) things have changed. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Yeah. My next one. Uh, gets the it gets the concept award. Love it. I love it. Uh, one of my favorite concepts of, uh, of the year um, is from this record. Uh, this is from an ambient artist named Lossil. I think it's probably how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, producer was real name is Scott Morgan um, and They've been on my radar for a while, but like I've always kind of m- end up missing them. Like I end up listening to a project that they put out a year or two after it's been put out or something like that. But I've been like interested in their output for a decent amount of time, at least like a couple of years now. And like I was finally like, I almost missed this one honestly huh. it was recommended to me <laughs> Apple music recommended it to me and I was like oh my god finally like I can hear one and hopefully it'll be good um, and then I can talk about it as it's as it's out um, yeah this album is great the albums called uh, Clara okay And um it's the concept behind it is it's a it's supposed to be a meditation on light shade and decay Hmm. and it's sourced from a single three minute composition performed by a 22 minute or it's 22 piece string orchestra in budapest whoa yeah so it's just a three minute long composition but obviously a hugely dense instrumental the the album is longer than three minutes.
0: Oh, okay,
1: <laughs> the, <laughs> good. <laughs> the, the the concept comes from this three minute composition, um, but obviously hugely dense instrumental um, piece. The it, after it was recorded, it was um, it was cut into a seven inch and then and then Lossel scratched and abused it to add texture and color. Um and used that to sample the entirety of the album so it's only a three minute long recording but it's been manipulated and and warped and scratched and like abused to the point of uh stretching out every bit of sound out of it that um that they could and it's looking like 70 minutes
0: that's insane they made like a 70 minute record out of that that's crazy Yeah, and the
1: result is, like, awesome, because not only is it shocking um, just to, like, imagine that they could get that much out of a three-minute composition. It's shocking to, like, hear this, and you hear just how dynamic and different a lot of the textures and ideas are on here. Like obviously, it all flows into itself really well because it's all pulled from the same core. Um, so that you know that alone gives you like a, a really solid foundation to build an uh, an album off of because you know everything is going to be somewhat cohesive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at, mm-hmm. like there, there's so much variety on here. There's so many different ideas that are being explored. Sometimes it feels really paranoid and kind of eerie. Um, sometimes it's like just like super heavy and just like weighing you down with a lot of melancholic textures and melodies and stuff. And sometimes it's just straight up gorgeous and very slow moving and makes you feel like you're suspended in space. Um, the way that the instrumentals are stretched out is really fascinating because it really Warps like the sounds of the strings to the point where they're almost unrecognizable as strings But there's still this familiarity to it. That's very comforting Um, Yeah, this is one of the most interesting like listening to this to this album takes a little bit of time and a little bit of energy I would say like um, it, It can be used as like how ambient music you know, it was normally used, which is just as kind of background.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, in that use, it's really nice too because it's just, a, it's really beautiful and pretty melancholy and kind of dreary, um, but a, a really like nice, like thoughtful, pensive record just on the surface. But it, when you like dive into it, it really, like, it really demands um, a lot of like attention to like some of the precise decisions that were made on here and you can just you can pick out so much texture and so much artistry and Mm. all of these all of these just really like strangely like scientific uh decisions i guess it's very experimental um but you kind of miss that if you don't like if you're not like actively going you know to look for it because like when i actually first heard this record i was like Oh, wow, it's pretty. It's pretty nice, but it wasn't like you know super mind blowing to me. And then I started looking up more about the process, and I was like, I was like, "Whoa, that's really interesting." And then yeah. you start listening to it with that context in mind, and it's just like it really is one of the most like fascinating and kind of creatively inspiring projects that I've heard this year. Um, that being said, it's pretty long.
0: Mm. And uh, <laughs> out of a three minute co- uh, composition, now it's like, oh well, it's too long. <laughs>
1: yeah, you should have shortened
0: it up by a <laughs> little while. I guess I, I'm more of a three minute album guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> six minutes
1: too long. So <laughs> uh, yeah, now it, it it does take a while, and hmm. and um, the. M- the novelty is not lost on me by any means. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by this project, but um, it doesn't have like the same like core element to it, emotionally dense core element to it that uh, would push it over the edge into being like one of my absolute favorites of the year. Mm-hmm. But it's just such an interesting idea and it's and I've listened to it again and again so many times and just been fascinated by it, um, that I, I had to talk about it. I had to give it a shout-out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a really solid 8 out of 10 for me.
0: Yeah, I, uh, that's great. I, uh, I, I love these podcasts because um, while the purpose of the podcast is for us to recommend albums to the listener, it usually ends up being Patrick recommends <laughs> albums to me and uh i i don't come through on my end because i'm always rec- like i'm the normie you know i'm i'm recommending albums you've already heard you you already have thoughts on them and you're coming out with albums i've never heard of uh so uh, the the difference is i end
1: up missing out sometimes on like the <laughs> the stuff that everybody's actually talking about hey, that's i've been all right. trying to be better i've been trying to be better about that side of things actually cuz sometimes i'll just go into ambient and black metal and then be like oh nobody hey, well, cares hey. about
0: this no no i mean it, it works because like I, uh, this is uh, this album i would not have heard about if it weren't for literally this conversation right now and and that's the whole point of this so uh yeah no so i welcome it i just it's always funny to be this that is... I, yeah <laughs> i never come through yeah. on, in reverse you know maybe one of these days <laughs> i'll i'll come out i'll come through with an album that you haven't heard of um but yeah, until then, I'll yeah. gladly keep accepting your recommendations. So, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, yeah. This one's this one's great though. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, Lossel. I, yeah, I suppose. Uh, it with... I'll I'll tell you how to I'll tell you how to spell it
1: after. Th- yeah,
0: yeah. I think I found it. It's got like this uh, black and white album cover, yeah. but with pink border. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. So okay.
1: Well cool um, album art too.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I, I'm I'm digging it um okay my next one then is um what did i call this award i called it god great podcasting me just being like what did i do here <laughs> it's, it's my turn um <coughs> whose turn is it oh me oh that's right um i called it I somebody else who's gonna <laughs> it's get it. my bad my bad after you yeah. talk then i talk that's right i forget um I called this the Hot New Genre Award. Um, Ooh. So we are... Co- you already did Ska, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're <good. laughs> That's right. Your- <laughs> you ever heard of Ska? Some general Xers like, you ever heard of Ska? Um, yes. It's the Hot New Genre. Um, <laughs> God, God that, that got me. That was hilarious. Um, we're currently in the beginning or near beginning of an exciting musical movement that... Doesn't really have an official name yet. I've heard it called the post-Brexit New Wave, uh, at least according to an NPR article. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Post-Brexit New Wave is like a loose, subjective term that isn't a fixed genre, but you may already know kind of which bands and albums I'm referring to. Um, That NPR article described post-Brexit New Wave as, quote, and this is very scientific, quote, uh, these uk bands that kind of talk sing over post-punk music and sometimes it's more like post-rock unquote um so <laughs> to be fair i'm cherry picking they they do go into it but that quote kind of stood out to me as like yeah i mean it's a loose description but i still know what they're yeah. referring to like it's still niche yeah. enough for me to understand what artist that term applies to and it's not how these these subgenres
1: are made, like, because it's so arbitrary. It's so, and that just shows just how. Oh, oh yeah,
0: <laughs> it, I've heard of bands that are included in this that like some people don't include them. So, um, but it's not even the only term I've heard used for this movement. I like the term uh, "windmill core" or the windmill scene. Uh, oh, wow. which is named after a bar, the windmill where many of these bands have played. It's like a CBGB's type, but in uh, in Britain. So that, that's kind of cool. Um, and so far this year, we've received plenty of notable albums from this scene. Uh, you know, I was a bit lukewarm on the shame record that dropped back in January, but plenty of people seem to love that. Um, I, myself, I really enjoy the dry cleaning record uh, that I mentioned up at the top of the podcast uh, from this quarter. But three records have stood above the rest, in my opinion, uh, in terms of artistic quality, uh, experimentation, and just general acclaim from fans and critics. Um, I made a meme about these three records recently, a meme in which I compared (laughs) the Miami Heat Big Three of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh to what is, in my opinion, the uh, post-Brexit New Wave Big Three or the Windmill Core Big Three, by overlaying album covers on top of the faces of those NBA players. Uh, You can find that dumb meme and many other tweets that aren't worth your time at (laughs) at Will Brost on Twitter. Um, Those three albums, all of which I love to varying degrees, are uh, Cavalcade by Black Midi, um, For the First Time by Black Country New Road, which we've already discussed on this podcast, and finally, a few minutes into this rant, the album I actually want to spend time recommending, Bright Green Field by Squid. Um, yes. Yeah, I I love this album. Uh, Bright Green Field is Squid's debut album. Uh, currently has a Metacritic rating of 89 out of 100, uh, which is higher than I expected. Um, it got the Pitchfork 8.0, so there you have it. And um, fans are loving it as well. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess, first and foremost, I just love how wild and exciting and eclectic this album is uh in general sonically i'd say squid is like a mix of talking heads uh kraut rock so like can and uh Mm post-punk but you know that's kind of a, a confined definition and that doesn't really sell how all over the place this record can sound it's one of the most dynamic albums i've heard all year um it constantly switches up uh in terms of Intensity, energy, style, sound—even uh, within like a single song. You know, don't expect one song to sound the same from beginning to the end. Uh, in fact, they change up drastically. So don't get comfortable at all with any particular direction. Um, they just—they bounce from one idea to the next and like never revisit it. And that's something I loved about the Black Country New Road debut uh, from earlier this year as well. So. <clears throat> Well, Bright Green Field is uh, its definitely experimental, but I wouldn't say it's heady. Uh, I think it's actually kind of fun in its own weird, twisted way, and I say that mostly because the energy is just top-notch uh, all across the album, uh, from the vocals, which are batshit insane at times, uh, <clears throat> to to the instrumentation, which is it—it it always like packs a punch. Um, but it does switch up, so, you know, you kind of have to be on alert. Um, but, uh, yeah, this album's crazy. It can sound relaxing and smooth and, like, even ambient. Uh, there's one section that reminds me of, like, the song Kid A, uh, by Radiohead. Um, Mm -hmm. would you say that this album is Squid's Kid A, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) might as well be <laughs> yeah, it's just their debut but yeah um so it, yeah it can, it can sound post kind kid of a, post <laughs> kid a <core. laughs> post kid a core <laughs> <laughs> oh god yes put that in an npr article um yeah so it, it can sound like that it can sound peaceful like that but it can also sound harsh and off kilter and abrasive it can be a little unsettling honestly and Though it wasn't for me, I could honestly see this record being anxiety-inducing for some, both because of the sounds themselves, but also because you never know what to expect. Like, uh, I don't want to call them, like, jump scares, but, you know, it it turns on a dime, the, the sound sometimes, which for me is exciting, uh, but for others, maybe not so. Um, the lyrics are pretty bonkers as well, and sometimes they're puzzling. Uh, see, the eggs are always cheaper the day after Easter. I, I'm still not quite sure if there's like a deeper meaning to that one or if it's just, uh, some sound advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a throwaway advice on buying groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, I was like, okay. And he, like, that's like a repeated lyric, so it must be somewhat important. Um, generally though the lyrics are more serious this isn't like a heavily lyrical album but the content and subject matter we do get are uh, typically socio-political um gsk uh is a demanding banger i guess Uh, you know kind of a weird banger but it, it it slaps uh it kicks off the album and it's a song about a dystopia ruled by opioids and you know rich businessmen um paddling which is maybe my favorite song here it kind of bounces back and forth between two different evolving directions it's really neatly structured um and that's a song about you know just kind of doing what you're told man you know just gotta conform uh there's other songs about propaganda and you know television media and reality versus perception you know you get some pretty classic uh song topics here um but i I think they're pretty great Um, Overall, I'm loving this album and still playing it heavily, even though it's been out for a couple of months now. As far as this quarter goes, it's an older record. Um, I would Mm -hmm. love to catch a Squid performance uh, because I I want this energy in person. And to just kind of wrap up by briefly returning to this windmill core, post-Brexit, new wave, post-Kid A core, whatever you want to call it. (sighs) Um, I'm I'm so excited by this big three in general and what's to come. Um I predict that Black MIDI, Black Country New Road, Squid, they're gonna create some of the best albums of the twenty twenties, I think. And I, I think we will collectively, among you know, music heads, uh, we'll be debating which band is the best uh for years to come. And that that's kind of exciting. Uh, because I feel like we don't get those conversations anymore usually, and uh, and while Squid will likely be associated with these other bands and with this scene for you know a while, I think each of these bands sounds unique and they distinguish themselves well. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. sh- shout out to Squid. I'm giving Bright Green Field I- I- uh, another nine out of ten. Uh, yeah, I love it. Nice. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. Yeah. I I really
1: like this record
0: too. Oh yeah, I, I knew you listened to it, but I guess we never really talked about it. But yeah, no, I, re, I really
1: like I like that one. Um, I think the the Squid record of the of the Big Three is uh, probably my favorite. Oh
0: nice, okay, very yeah. cool. That's awesome. I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah I really I really like I I think the commitment that they have to their sound is just so much more. And engaging and just interesting. Yeah. Um, Not that the other ones aren't interesting, but like that
0: for some reason the Squid Record just has really been clicking. It's yeah. There's something just it's hard hitting and also super original. When I made that meme, I actually I ranked them. Uh, I gave uh, Black Country New Road the LeBron uh, because I thought it was the best one, and then Squid I put over Dwayne Wade because second. And oh nice. Black MIDI I put over Chris Bosh, who is a Hall of Famer. Uh, very great, but uh, I had to put Cavalcade below the other two. Um, right. But the way that album's been growing on me, the Black MIDI, like, you know, it, it just gets better every time. So who knows what'll happen in the end. But, uh, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Your top fifty is going to be full of that. It, it's, it's all going to be, I'm just going to, pictures of windmills. <laughs> it, it's, it's all. T- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the top 50 windmill core It is insane how many bands and how many good albums have come out over just the past few months uh, from this uh, scene. It's It's, a really interesting style. Yeah, like, I don't even get... The post-Brexit thing is interesting, because it's implying that, like, Brexit is causing this good music. Right. There's some level of, like, protest to it, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how much of that is valid, but you know that it's it's interesting at least and my working theory was that we were going to get a lot of good music after covid because no one was like releasing and touring during covid and so i kind of think maybe a lot of people had some pent up creative energy and yeah. uh, you know maybe that's why i feel like we had a great quarter and maybe it's not but uh you know either way i'm thankful for all of these good records so yeah
1: yeah nice that's awesome yeah
0: all right your final one
1: all right, my final one. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with this one. I was debating oh, going okay. with, a, with a different one, but with one of my backups, but I'll go with this one. It
0: it gets the a caveat award. Okay, okay. I <laughs> love this the, Sorry, the heads your bet as soon as you're about to recommend an <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> The strong lead there. I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. Of uh, recency bias. Oh, sure. Sure. Oh, I think I know where I, you're going.
1: Yeah. I can't not talk about Have to. this artist, though, mm-hmm. because she's just put out some of the most like energizing and interesting and unique hip-hop yeah. um, just recently. But it's Backwash. Has to, yeah. Yeah. I lie here buried with my rings and my dresses, which mm-hmm. is, you know, killer par for the course on awesome uh, on awesome album titles too. Absolutely, yeah. So we're big we're big backwash fans on this podcast, and um, her album last year, God has nothing to do with this, was one of my favorites of the year, and I still really love it so much. Um, but this one is just like so in some ways, it's even more interesting and more Mm -hmm. um, terrifying and more um, engaging and more beautiful in some ways, too. Um, In some ways, God has nothing to do with this. Works better on an aesthetic level um, and Mm -hmm. cohesively, I would say. Um, But overall, like, man, she's just really got, like, something going with with her um, with her focus on horrorcore hip-hop and bringing in noise elements and um, just really like heavy dark sounds of the occult and death metal and and trap in some ways too. It's just Mm -hmm. a really fascinating blend. Backwash is just such an interesting producer as well as being a Really great um, lyricist, and um, her delivery is always really great. Al- also, um, yeah. So this this album, I had high expectations for to begin with. It's probably one of my more anticipated albums of the year, actually. Sure. Because um, I was I was I was so excited over last year's um, last year's record, um, and I was honestly like trying to be like okay you know it hasn't been that long since god has nothing to do with this has come out it might not be as high of quality um i was just kind of working off of that like level of like trying to tamper my expectations she still managed to kind of like knock it out of the park yeah even even with only like i guess a year in between of, of release dates so um, I think that's a testament to, and, you know, she's the primary producer and lyricist on this album, so it's not like, you know, it's not like she had any shortage of work to to do either to make this thing, so that it just makes it so impressive seeing the amount of of work and effort and energy and care that was put into this, and it still comes out to be really interesting and dynamic project full of a lot of very heavy subject matter that's explored really well. I'm, I'm so impressed with her. I'm, I'm really excited to see where uh, this album takes her, because God has nothing to do with it. Um, really kind of got some critical legitimacy, I think, under her belt, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this one is... Doing really well too. It sounds like, and um, I and I think that she definitely deserves all the praise that that she gets. So, um, yeah, the seeking with the album though. Some of my favorite elements about this though are the way that Backwash leans even further into the horror of yeah. horror. Or um, God has nothing to do with this. Was Um, That was my introduction to her. Um, And it has a lot of those elements to it, but this one leans in with even more ferocity and with even bleaker um, lyrics guiding it through and with even more intensity from Backwash's vocals. Um, The title track is... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's insane. One of
1: the, it's so good. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the best examples of this too, on on the album, and uh, is potentially a contender for one of the best songs of the year too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Ada Rook uh, sings the chorus on this, and just like absolutely <laughs> demolishes it with these just harsh, harsh. Uh, screams that like are just mind-bending
0: yeah (laughs) um
1: the lyrics on 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 the chorus are very upsetting and and very bleak and very dark um backwash's verse is really like hard and hard to hard to read and listen to but like the the uh delivery and the energy and the passion behind all of it is just so engaging and fascinating and um you just feel like such a connection with with Backwash and with Ada Rook also on this song um, because of the amount of care and the amount of passion that both of them are just really putting into it yeah, I love the subject matter that's being discussed on here. I, I, I love how honest and uh, bleak it can be at times. Um, another song that I thought was amazing was Blood in the Water, mm. which had a super exciting collab with Clipping. Um, it's a shorter one, but the production on it is just absolutely nuts, and Backwash's verse on here is just another example of how dynamic and uh yeah how how dynamic her anger and and ferocity can really be um yeah nine hells is another example of a song that's just like you know i'm pretty much all these songs on here are are examples of songs that are just like crushing in some ways, but, like, energizing and, like, really, really rope you into an experience and a shared experience and, um, and one that's, like, that has clearly had a lot of thought and effort put into it, and, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just such a fan of Backwash. I think that she's such a talent. I think that it's so refreshing to hear the sound that she's bringing. and it's so weird that this is the sound that you know is is blowing her up. I, I mm-hmm. mean she's not blowing up like like crazy, I guess, but she's doing really well, especially like in terms of like where she was even at the beginning of last year, like she's she's generated a lot of buzz. And it's it's horror core. It's like where, yeah. did, how did this happen? Like, um, I really feel like between her and clipping. Yeah. Um, and you know, I guess Death Grips in some ways,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they're uh, I feel like they're kind of on their on their own and more in like the industrial world, right? Um, but between like her and clipping, especially, there's like this this underground bubbling of horrorcore hip hop that um i hope will kind of resurface and actually be good this time yeah and cuz like they've both shown that it can be like not only super interesting but like just absolutely fascinating and like some of the most like cathartic and energizing music that uh that I've heard, so, um, yeah, I, I really like, I mean, it's, it's, again, I, I gave it the recency bias award, I'm, I'm, like, I'm kind of, like, don't want to give it a nine yet, because I don't know, I, I, I don't know how it's gonna, like, age in the next month or so, but, like, I'm gonna give it a really strong eight, and, like, it has potential to grow to a nine as well.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, um, that, it just came out like a week ago or so, you know, like, so totally understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had
1: to, I had to talk about it cause I've just been enjoying it so much. And, um, and I was just so excited to like, when I, when I heard it the first time through, I was like, I, I it was so exciting to hear, um, kind of, a. An underground artist i guess somebody that really does it herself yeah the whole thing from front to back uh, it, it was really exciting to hear somebody like that put out another album not that long after her last one and it'd still be like really freaking good and like i would definitely understand if people are like oh this is even
0: better yeah yeah, no, I'm. I'm glad you talked about it because I could. I could recommend this one too, with the same caveat that like I just, I think I've only listened to it in full once, but my favorite songs I've played, you know, multiple times. Um, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's such a good album, and uh, my favorite song actually at this point is um, "Terror Packets." I love that song. It's uh, yeah. It's like it showed that she could do like a slow. Uh, minimal style and it sounds just as haunting like if not more so than um some of her Mm. other songs that are kind of more abrasive i guess but um yeah Yeah, that's a good point too i thought that another good example
1: of that is like song of sinners with the the chorus the chorus on that like yeah she's really good at like breaking it back into this kind of haunting uh ethereal almost sound
0: yeah no for sure and as far as blowing up um she has a lot of features on this one especially compared to the last record and you know i think she kind of turned a lot of heads last year um just Mm -hmm. you kind of put herself on the map and people were like oh i want to collab with backwash now and she had like an npr article about her like npr like yeah like coffee house uh, as far from <laughs> the occult as you could possibly they get. Also called. Also <laughs> call her post-Brexit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: timeline speaking, that that's true. This is a post-Brexit album. This is true.
0: It is a new wave of sorts. Uh, so yeah, yeah no, um, yeah i i wanted i also kind of wanted to talk about this one but actually in the long history of us doing these quarterly reports there has been only one instance in which we both came in with the same recommendation and it was the last backwash album last year um so yeah that's right yeah so i was like we can't do it again so i'm like i'm not going to talk about backwash and i banked on you doing it and sure enough here we are
1: yeah well this one was one that i had a uh, this I had on backup. But the other album that I was going to talk about, which you might be talking about this next one. I know you that, love that, it.
0: That's Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: so that I, I'll i see if you're going to talk about it, though. Yeah, this, this actually works out, because I think I knew you weren't going to come in with the Jeff Rosenstock. I kind of thought maybe you liked The Squid, but I assumed you would give that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then this last one, I know you like... Um, I think because, Oh, I assume so because I believe you've already bought a ticket to see them perform. Um, yeah. So okay. I, yeah. I'm hoping that I'm right here. I'll just go ahead and get into it. I, I gave this the Colin award. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah. It, it goes to uh, Wolf Alice for, yeah, for blue weekend. Yep. Um, so Wolf Alice is a British indie rock, indie pop band. Uh, blue weekend is their third studio album. This wins the Colin Award because Colin, friend of the podcast, recommended this album to me. Um, And I'm glad he did, because Mm -hmm. I likely would not have listened to it otherwise. Uh, Pitchfork gave it a... same here. Yeah, like, uh, Pitchfork gave it a 7.2, I think, out of 10. Which, like, you know, I just kind of scroll past that. Um, Fantano gave it a 4 out of 10. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's not high on, like, Rate Your Music's Best of 2021 list, and those are the three main places I typically check when I'm looking for new music, you know, like like Pitchfork. I look; they tell me my opinion, and right. so, right, um, you know, <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. Um, but <laughs> a- after digging a little further, it currently has a Metacritic of 91 out of 100. So, like, the majority of critics and fans are like absolutely loving this record, as am I. Uh, but the critics I typically check just they just. Just so happened not to care for this one as much, uh, which is fine. Um, and I love this album. I already bought the vinyl record. Um, I Was I right in that you have tickets to see them at some point this year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got tickets for their show. Um, I think it's in October.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. There you go. Uh, and it's not because we've been big like, Wolf Alice fans in the past. This is my introduction to them um yeah same here yeah so yeah shout out to uh shout out to colin for the uh, recommendation uh this album's great um i think first and foremost my takeaway here is that they execute a variety of styles super well um uh how can i make it okay i guess for example this is one of my favorite songs here it's like a synth pop banger and it gets more confident as it goes i like how the first chorus is in falsetto and then the second chorus is just belting out uh, with these backing vocals that are just super, I don't, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but it, you know, just uh, so much energy into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Smile is more of like a throwback '90s alternative rock sound, like maybe like a little Alanis Morissette or something in it. Um, Play the Greatest Hits is pure punk energy. There's folkier moments on this album. There's a hint of shoegaze here and there, which is pretty great. Uh, but I think Wolf Alice are at their best, at least on this album, when they are at their most ethereal. Um, I mean, there are some. There's ascending meme uh, on a few songs here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's three actually. Probably my three favorite songs, honestly, kind of stick out in that regard. Uh, the beach, uh, which is the intro track, is. Mm-hmm. pretty epic for a song that lasts less than 3 minutes um but it kind of it's super grand and i get chills by the end um and the first half of it it's kind of quiet and you kind of can't even make it out but it ends up being super impactful uh the track that immediately follows that is called delicious things and that's uh that yes. i love that song it's it's lana del rey at her best you know it's a it's a lovely <laughs> just slow tempo, dramatic song about how tempting the LA lifestyle is. And I'm like, you know what? If this were on, I could see this being on like Norman fucking Rockwell or whatever. Um, But Mm -hmm. the, the, the ultimate song, the song of the year candidate on here is uh, the last man on earth, um, which is the climax of the record. And it's, it's a piano ballad um, again with the variety. It sounds nothing like, play the greatest hits which i think comes right before it uh, even though it's like a punk <laughs> banger um mm-hmm. but yeah this one it just has such a fantastic build and i get chills every single time um so even though blue weekend is uh sonically inconsistent it's mostly pretty consistent in terms of quality with only one or two i would say like missteps in my opinion not yeah yeah not even like super bad it's just like um uh, let me think here. It's like the first half, the first six songs, five of those are bangers. And then Lipstick on the Glass, I think, is just fine, right? Um, so it, <clears throat> just a couple moments like that on this record where it's just kind of like a slight. Uh, it could have been, there could have been some improvement, I guess. But there are so many quality songs on this record. And I think that's mostly because of the uh, the vocals, uh, courtesy of Ellie Roussel. Roussel? Sure. Um <laughs> Ellie, I almost said Roswell, but it, it's Rouseel, and that's throwing me off. Ellie yeah. Um The lead vocals are wonderful. The backing vocals, the harmonies, they're always on point. Uh, sometimes the lead vocals and the backing vocals are doing different things. They kind of contrast in ways that I find interesting and enjoyable. And because the vocals and melodies are always so good, I find myself singing along to every song here. Uh, this is a great album for when you're in the car or in the shower or what have you because these are some of the catchiest hooks i've heard all year and each one sounds completely different than any other one on the record so there isn't really a ton that i want to say because uh, you know i don't know how much like depth there is to talk about it this is just one of those records that is just it's super solid um i love it most people love it you love it uh i just Mm -hmm. find myself returning to it time and time again so yeah shout out to uh wolf alice uh i'm giving blue weekend it's another nine out of ten i went all nine out of tens today wow yeah that's awesome yeah so yeah pretty pretty interesting uh i think i've given out like five nines this year which is more or less the amount i give out for a year and, um, right. I don't we're know, only halfway. yeah, I don't know what it is. I think so far this has been a super strong year in my opinion. Um, and so I'm really happy about that, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you liked That's the, awesome. uh, I'm glad you liked the wolf Alice as well. Yeah.
1: I'd probably end up giving it like a eight. Um, sure. Yeah. Out of 10. I do really like it. Like there's a couple moments on this that I don't find myself like enjoying as much, mm-hmm. um, But like overall, yeah, I think it's really solid. And like the tickets that I got, I really like. I got uh, tickets for this um, because um, we're going to Outside Lands in San Francisco, um, and that. But we're we were only able to get one day passes um, because they sold out so quick of the three day So since we're gonna have that Friday, we're going. Uh, to outside lands anyway. The day after Wolf oh,
0: Alice that's set
1: cool. up a show in San Francisco, so I was like, "Oh, let's go to uh, Outside Lands, and then we'll have like a Wolf Alice show the next day." And cool. the r- real reason I bought Wolf Alice tickets was because I was listening to uh, Last Man on Earth and <laughs> Delicious, <laughs> Delicious <laughs> Things.
0: Yeah, and like yeah. I was
1: like, "Oh my god, hearing these songs live would oh, be dude. amazing!" Yeah, yeah. Just secondly, so yeah. God, that's
0: awesome. Yeah, I, I checked yeah I checked every art like Rosenstock's not touring near me. He is in San Francisco. Uh he's oh. he's doing he's doing a no dream tour, except there's two locations where he's doing ska. Uh and I don't think it's San Fran, but um uh. Squid is currently not touring outside of Europe, uh and Wolf Alice is not coming to St. Louis either. So I should just move to like a bigger market, I think is ultimately my strat here. Um yeah just come stay out here for a couple of months while all bands are touring yeah i'll just i'll just do that yeah i'll just do <laughs> yeah. the old move out to san Fran uh, just to catch a few shows you know but hey at least i got yeah, i got st vincent exactly. tickets i've got soccer mommy tickets i'm probably getting thundercat here in a bit so uh, i i've got some but uh nice yeah uh that was 2021 quarter two quarterly report um anything you wanted to add before we uh bounced here just, to, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, the this quarter was was so solid. It was it was so good, and um, I'm excited to talk about the Tyler the Creator album on our next episode. Uh, yeah. We're solo doloing in that one. Uh, we're dedicating mm-hmm. an entire podcast just to that album. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It'd be me. nice
1: to talk about just Tyler
0: as a as an artist and deep
1: dive into that
0: yeah no for sure yeah i mean we'll have plenty of time uh so we better we better i mean we go pretty <laughs> deep <laughs> we have like 90 minutes allotted we better <laughs> we better not do service level uh, stuff on this one i think we're gonna go pretty deep on this so that that's pretty exciting um yeah thank you all for uh listening patrick thank you for joining me and um Yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Peace.